going to read the word. Thank you. That'll be fine, Brother Ryan. Just before we read, I wonder if we'll, you'll join with me in prayer. Thank you, Father. Oh, how our hearts are beating with such a fullness of thanksgiving. How you are moving by your Holy Spirit. How you are doing things, uh, meeting our desires, our requests, beyond and over and above measure. Father, and to think today we can come to the true and living God, to know that there is nothing impossible to them that believe. We have gathered here, Lord, not to merely see one another. We've gathered here not to put in just a couple of hours of time. We've gathered here as believers because we believe the word that we are now going to read. We believe that the Holy Spirit, the author, is present. We believe that the Holy Spirit will be here to interpret to each individual according to our need. We believe, O God, that you will give us ears to hear. I believe, O God, you'll give me a mouth to speak the things that you have desired for this day, for this moment, and for whatever we may face tomorrow. Lord, I pray that you will uh, give also a mighty, mighty, resounding, uh, heavenly sound in the, in the camp just now, Lord. While they're in the chapel and upon these lives that are so precious to us, so precious, Lord. And Father, if time should go on even for a short while, these young men and young women, we want them to assume places, oh God, in the community and in the workplace and especially in the church where they will be a powerful edifying force in the body of Jesus Christ. And may we, oh God, as we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, may we be the right kind of influence upon them. May our lives impact them, Father. I pray you will bless the service this morning now as it has already been prayed. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read some scripture we read also last uh, Sunday uh, from 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. And just before we read, I want to make... Uh, some comments, not only for the service today, but I think perhaps for the service uh, next week. I'm approaching, I I wish to speak on stewardship, part two. And uh, I just felt I needed to make a personal comment. And the personal comment is this, that uh, the things that I'm speaking are, are sometimes things that I have not personally apprehended. I have not personally attained. And I was thinking about that. uh, And the, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul said, not as though I had already attained, he wrote to the Philippians, either had already perfect, either were already perfect, but I follow after. And I want to say that this morning. 
we sometimes as ministers are called upon to preach things that we have not necessarily attained or apprehended them yet, but we're following after. And we're not called on just to speak things that we've conquered and we've achieved it and we've perfected it. We're called on to preach things that uh, is out there for us. It's out there for you. It's out there for me. And so the Apostle Paul said, I've not already attained it, uh, or either we're already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. And so I approach this subject of stewardship in that, in that, in that light. <clears throat> All right, we'll read 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 1 and 2. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And then in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, reading verses 10 and 11. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, if you will remember, I I took the teaching of Jesus on on the talents and how that it was given to every man some talents. Uh, he's given to us severally as our, according to our ability. But he, he taught on the talents <clears throat> and came right into his coming and the rewards. But uh, the scripture, I, uh, which it was included there in Matthew 25, is 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And so uh, I uh, kind of majored on the fact that the, what God has delivered to us, and he actually delivered it, he, he delivered it to us, gave us the message which we have. All right, he's delivered that, and each of us receive uh, the portion that, we're able to receive that God has ordained that we should receive. And uh, my whole subject is we're responsible for it. it. And we're stewards. We're stewards of our time. Our time, this is your allotted time. It's not, you're not living in Paul's time. You're not living in Luther's time or Wesley's time. This is our time. 
God has allotted you your lifespan during this time, and you, will, you are accountable for that. And we need to pray that God will make us good stewards of that time. We haven't got any more minutes or hours or days than God has already ordained that we should have. And we certainly, there's a lot of people that they come to the end of their time, and they, 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 they get nervous then because there's things they want to do. There's things they want to accomplish, and uh, they're not able to do it. A young man that I grew up with, we were just, we were just teenagers, actually even preteens together, and he was a minister's son, and a very, very fine Holy Ghost minister who my brother-in-law and sister here knew real well. And he became a businessman, a successful businessman in this city. And he had apartments right over here in Guilford. You go by there and you'll say the Greenwood Apartments. They were his apartments, and he had apartments several places. But he lost his faith in God. He didn't become a rank sinner, but he became almost cynical. And, uh, you know, and he had his own ideas about things. And when I came back here and just before this uh, Bible Way was started, or about that time, uh, we went and had... Uh, lunch together. We grew up together. Uh, we actually, I lived at their place, so we were more like brothers in one sense. And uh, we sat in a, you know, in a nice golf course uh, dining room, and and he had big plans. Had big plans, and he's going to do this, and bought a hotel down in Belly, Bellingham, I believe, and had all kinds of plans. And but when it comes to spiritual things, you know, he could. He was uh, very, very quick. He had, a, I think, a better mind than I have. And uh, it was always countering things, you know, and finding flaws with uh, the God's Word and so on. But at 39, he developed a, a cancer. And he's in the hospital. And a minister who he had confided in, then he wanted a minister. Then he wanted to do something. <clears throat> He said, I, w- I, want to, I want to do something for a young man. And he wanted then to take $250,000, which was a lot of money in those days, a lot of money in those days, like saying a million or more today. And he wanted to build a place for a young, young man because he just wanted to help young men and that are less fortunate, etc. And he wanted to do something beneficial. And I know that there was a, a, a worry, a worry for him. And I'll just tell you, I didn't even get a chance to see him. He went so fast. He was just gone and left a young wife and, and children. But how many, when they find out that their days are actually numbered, but we don't have to wait to find out. We already know they're numbered. We already know that our breath is held in the palm of God's hand. And so we all have a, uh, we all have a responsibility. We want to, we're responsible for our time. And I spoke on our possessions and our health and uh, our influence, our, our peace. You know, you have, you have been given peace. Jesus said, my peace give I unto you. Not as the world. Hey, where do you find peace today? It's hard as believers to have peace in our home. It's hard as believers to have peace in our lives. I'm going to get down where we live. I want to get down where the rubber hits the road. It's hard. But the, this Bible tells me, my peace give I unto you. And now it's, it's up to us. 
to realize and accept that and say, I'm going to manage that. I'm going to be a good steward of this peace. I'm not going to let the devil take it away from me. I'm just not going to let him come in and, and, and be the thief of my peace. I'm not going to do that. And so you can appreciate I could spend, uh, I could spend hours on, <clears throat> on each of these subjects. But I just wanted to uh, kind of make that little, uh, just a little summary of, of last week. <clears throat> And I made this statement, we must look upon everything that we are and everything that we possess as being given to us by God for his kingdom's sake. Not, not just to make our life nice and easy down here or, or whatever, but we, it's been given us of God and we are simply stewards or custodians of that. <clears throat> now, it was sent to us the, the message which we have, and I want to dwell on this morning, <clears throat> I want to dwell on this uh, scripture here, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And it's grace that I am unable to really comprehend. This grace, and we have been given this grace, a manifold grace, and I want to speak about that <clears throat> as, we move, as we move forward. And I won't finish the subject today, so just as I, I'm, I want to just relax and take my time, and I hope that's all right with you. <clears throat> The Bible tells us, and I'm going to make reference to a number of scriptures, just as, because I have a certain sequence I'd like to follow with you mentally for a few moments. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, he was sent from God. And Jesus spoke of him, and he says, But what went ye out for to see? He asked the people, the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious people. What went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. Now just imagine, good people, intelligent people, students of the scripture, couldn't grasp that he was even a prophet. And Jesus now is telling him, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. This is him, he said. Then Malachi tells us, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> so now the message which, which has brought such grace to us, and the Bible says, manifold grace and that we are to be stewards of that now even while I'm speaking you might say well you know what's where are we going what's brother Brandon, what's what's brother Biscoe speaking about uh, what has been sent to us uh, well we, we need to find out because you are in charge you are responsible not just say well the message the message but 
Now it's a message that has been sent to us. It has certain power and certain qualities and certain... This isn't, you know, the message is not just go to church on Sunday or go to church on Wednesday. That's not what it, what it is. You possess, God has given this to you as a charge, and you'll have it tomorrow morning as much as you have it today. You'll have it next week. And as long as you're here, you have this charge that's been given to you, talents that have been given to you. <clears throat> Now, in the message, God is his own interpreter. I just have to excuse me a little bit because my printer is not all that, not working 100%, and I have to look very hard. He says, and now remember, you Christians, you were his thoughts before there was a world, and you are the manifestation of his thinking. So now, you're not just here as, you know, Brother Lance, or Brother Burkhart, and Brother Didier, and Brother Nathan, and Sister Lawana, and so on and so forth. And, and we know one another, and kind of, you know, we know something of each other's background. Some people we know better than others, and so on. But I just want to say this, just clearly, simply, and quietly. If you are a son and daughter of God, God has sent you here. He even chose the exact time that you'd be born. He ordained the precise moment that you would hear this message. He ordained that the Holy Spirit would strike that seed and it would come to life and you'd be born again. And God sent you for a divine purpose and then he deposited into you you, you're, you even have a certain makeup. You see things a certain way. You have, you, you, you've even been like Apostle Paul was created being that little hook-nosed Jew. God didn't, you know, God didn't extract that out of him and make him a different kind of a person. It took, he took that very nature and used it for his glory. Apostle Peter, he was one, you know, get out of the boat and walk on the waves, walk on the water, take his sword, hack a guy's ear off. Uh, you know, God didn't, God didn't make him somebody else. God didn't push him through and make him another kind of a person. The new birth is, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, but that's the way God ordained that you should be. But even it is this person, this very being that you are, you're made up a certain way, you, you, and you won't, you won't be different in that, in that respect. If you understand what I'm saying. You know, some people are loud and some people are quiet. Some people are demonstrative and other people are very, very still and controlled. And we're all different. God's not going to take a person and make them into a different kind of a being. God ordained that you'd be that way. And, and, and he's, going to, he's going to send his word to manifest himself through you. He ordained that you'd be like that. He'll take the wrong things out, I trust, and so on. Said his, and, but you are his thoughts, and you are the manifestation of his thinking. Before there even was a world, you were in Christ in God in the beginning. And so now we're, you've been sent to be a steward, a good steward of the mysteries 
the mysteries of his word. You've been, you, you know things now that it's been delivered to you. God sent a messenger. God sent a vindicated. We may hear all the vindication and all the supernatural things. It all happened just for one purpose, to bring a bride out. And God did that. Now, Brother Branham says, he says, I have a message that I'm responsible for. See, he knew that. Even though people were pulling on him to do all kinds of things and and, uh, manifest all kinds of signs and the secrets of the hearts and so on. But he said that I have a message that I'm responsible for. And in the message, turn on the light, he said... We are supposed to, and I have this all underlined in red and highlighted for myself. We are supposed to be the light of this age, manifesting the gospel. Luther was his light. Wesley was his light. Pentecost was his light. But we're further up the road now. We're coming into the bride called out the elected. We're further up the road. Now... It's very important that you just stay very closely with me because I'm, I'm laying a, a foundation here. With more, there's more light, more light, more light. With more light, there's more responsibility. And the reason why there's more light is because there's more darkness. The reason why there's more clarity and more revelation of the Word is because it requires that. For this hour. That God knew that you'd rise in. That God knew you'd be birthed in. And you'd live in this age. God knew exactly what he needed to provide. To give us. To deposit in us. So that we would be able to withstand. What we need to stand against in this age. And to live. And to be the light that we're called on to be. In this hour. More truth and more of the Holy Ghost in the believer to manifest the word in this hour. In the message, why it had to be shepherds. He said, I come with this message. Sometimes it seems like I just hate to say it, but yet I'm duty bound, brethren. If I don't do it, I'm a hypocrite. If I don't do it, I'm a traitor to my own conscience of my own faith in God's Word. I must do it, not to be different, but to be true to my calling. And I want to help you. I want to do everything I can. So can I just say, and, and don't, don't think it's just too simplistic, but God sent uh, uh, this incredible ministry to us to convey to us something and to deposit into you something so that we can take the words of Jesus said, As the Father hath sent me, so send I you. And I believe I can say to you authoritatively this morning, As the Father, Almighty God, sent William Branham, sent a prophet, sent the spirit of Elijah over the whole earth, so send he you. To manifest the life of that word. Otherwise, 
It was just a, an exercise. Otherwise, it's just a, another person that passed across the scene. Uh, as, as we have, you know, great people and uh, scientists and theologians and whatever, philosophers and whatever more, they pass off the scene. But anyone that's sent by God doesn't merely pass off the scene because God, he, he uses him as a conduit. He uses that as a vessel and pours into and through to the people, to the elect of that age. And I say, if we are that people, then we have received this deposit. Whatever God sent, we have received that, and now God has made us stewards of it. So I'm showing that God sent the vessel. God made him, as Brother Brandon says, I'm responsible for this message. He wasn't responsible for the economy. He wasn't responsible for a whole lot of other things. I'm responsible for this message. And then you're sitting here, I'm standing here, and we're saying, we've received it. Hey, by saying that, we're saying, I'm responsible. I'm responsible. And this responsibility is going to require my time, going to require some of my attention, or all of my attention. It's going to require my home. It's going to require, require my being. It's going to require my sincerity. It's going to require my influence. It's going to require my whole purpose of living here. Is for the kingdom of God. And what is the attraction on the mountain? He said, so I've got my mind set on this message. That's the third pull. And it's the one I must be loyal and reverent to. You need to look at those words. It is incredible. And now you have been sent. You know, I have to just say something to you. This, this position I'm standing in today, and as a servant of Christ and as pastor, I myself have to have a tremendous amount of reverence to that office. I, I've had people come and, and seek advice, and I know whether they're just wanting to talk about what they intend to do anyway. I have lots of people come and... And they say, well, I'd like to talk to you about certain, certain thing or something I, I, I think I'm praying about doing, etc., etc. And sometimes I just stop and I say, are you going to do it? Yeah. I said, why are you here? <laughs> you know, just to find out if I agree, you're going to do it anyway. But there's others that come and say, I want to know from God. I've had people come and say, Brother Ed, I've lived in the world. I cast my life out in the world. I just lived in the world. And I don't trust myself. I don't trust my own decision in this matter. Would you please help me? And here's the situation. Now that person is going to get the answer. Not because I'm smart, but because he's come to the right office. The exact office. And so we're stewards. And I feel that responsibility. Sometime, you know, I'll just say to you honest, I, I stand just outside that door to step in. And I know this place is full and packed. And I, I just kind of shake my head, feel the fluttering inside, and say, you know, Father, this isn't what I 
expected in my life. And this isn't what I really want to do. I don't really want to go in and face these hundreds of people. I would far sooner be in the old log church, maybe have 50, 60 people there. I'd feel more at comfort, more comfortable, you know? And it's amazing. But, that, but, but we have a responsibility. So we're responsible. We're responsible. We don't, we don't choose our own pathway. We say, God, you guide me and you direct me. And everybody has to be in that, in that same channel. So we, we talked about uh, a steward is a manager of household affairs. I, I'm repeating just a wee bit here. He's a manager of household affairs, a steward is a manager to whom the head of the house, to whom the head of the house has entrusted the management of his affairs. Now the Bible says, and Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of, to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house whose house we are, whose house are we, it says, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So now, Moses, he had a stewardship that he had to discharge. And our Lord Jesus had a stewardship which he did discharge. He said, I must do, even though the disciples said, no, far be it from you to go to Calvary and to do the suffering and to be cast into a, a, in a tomb. Far be it. They didn't want that. He said, then, how are the scriptures going to be fulfilled? That was his stewardship. My life is not my own. It's here to fulfill a certain part of the word of God, the word in flesh. Now, Brother Branham said in the angel and his commission, divine gifts can easily get a person into trouble. Divine gifts can easily get a person into trouble. He said that God, if he finds someone that he figures that he can entrust a divine gift with, which is reverent with all of our hearts, divine gifts can get a person into trouble because Brother Branham experienced that. He said then that, that God, if he finds someone, that he figures that he can entrust with the divine gift. So, now Brother Branham, he didn't just be entrusted with a divine gift, but he was entrusted with the opening of the word. He said, you have to be careful. God entrusts you with something, and then you can't use it just for your own good. You're to use it for the glory of God. So I hear amen from the people. Whatever we are, whatever we ever can be, whatever we possess, or whatever we ever may possess, it is for the kingdom of God. And one thing for sure, we all have one thing in common in this building, in this audience, and all that are streaming throughout the land, wherever you are. We all have one thing in common, that is every person, whether we go by rapture, which I trust that will be our, that's my desire, we can go by a change in this body. One of the reasons, not just because I'd like to escape death. That's not, the, that's not the purpose. I would like to be able to be one of the group that bring that ultimate defeat to Satan's death. 
I would like to be counted worthy. As Paul said, he, would be, he wanted to be counted worthy of the resurrection. I would like to be counted worthy of the change of the body so that I would know I was one that was used of God to defeat the very purpose of Satan in the earth that brought death and all the suffering. I'd like to be one of that group. And I think I'm standing with a lot of people here today that want to join into that. But if not, and if we go by the, by the way of the grave, then I, I want to know that uh, uh, every person here, we're going to meet on the other side. We're going to have to all cross over. And for sure, you will be thankful for the things that I'm saying right now. Everything we are. Everything we have, everything we ever can be, God has entrusted it to you for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Whatever position you have in life, whatever position you have, and, and we're not just talking about men and people in position or whatever more. Brother Bram talks about housewives. What, a, what an incredible, glorious responsibility and stewardship that God has given how a mother can instruct her children and live a life of influence. Amen. Now, the other thing of a stewardship is the duty of dealing out the proper portion to every servant and even to the children not yet of age. I, I'll think of it in, in, in two ways, but first of the messenger and the way it came. Look at the first and second pull. Now this might be ultra simple for you, but a servant, now here, here, here's, here's Elijah the, the prophet, and he stands in front of the people, and he asks the people who don't know him to raise their hands. So all kinds of people raised their hands. And he said, did you raise your hand? That you don't know me? You believe God can tell me what's in your heart? You're praying for your wife, he said to a man. She's got a broken hip, dislocated hip. That is right. If it's right, raise your hand. What is he doing? He's a steward. Giving to a believing man to whom the pillar of fire maybe comes and hangs over giving him his portion he's not there asking for a job he's not there asking for a million dollars he's there because his wife has broke her hip and that's the thing that's uh, completely consuming him and here's 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 uh, uh, spirit of Elijah a born a prophet, able to be into both realms at the same time, and says, this is your portion. All right, mister. He said, and what about you back there, little fellow raised up? You believe your son will get all right? That's his portion. You do? You got a boy and he's got cerebral policy. It's from Kentucky. And as you believe, find your boy the way you believe. That's his portion. That's what the steward does, is give the children their portion. 
All right, mister, you believe? You believe me to be God's prophet? Listen, friends, this isn't light stuff. This is a prophet. He's kind of, do you believe me to be God's prophet? You do with all your heart? You've got sugar diabetes, and it's bothering your foot. You're from Ohio, and your name's Mr. Miller. Go back home and be well. It's his portion. There's a man back there somewhere raised up his hands that didn't know. Mr. Schubert, all right, sir? All right, do you believe? It's for your eyes, isn't it? You're praying for your mother sitting out there also. Then he says the risen Jesus Christ is in the building. He wasn't doing it just by some gift. He was doing it because Jesus Christ was in the building. And he... (laughs) Jesus Christ was the owner of the house. It was Jesus Christ that was sending him, saying, You're my steward! I'm sending you for the care of the people. Give them their portion. He said, if the risen Jesus Christ is in the building, he's the same one. What does it do to you? Have you let the world sap all the strength out of you? He says, glory, I want the new birth. I want a new life. I don't care what, the pl- what plane it comes on. He said, if I have to be a holy roller or anything, I don't care what plane or what level is what he's speaking about. What plane it comes on, I want the real Holy Ghost like it's on me now. Now He's right in the middle of this. He says, I want that real Holy Ghost. I don't care what plane. I don't care what level. I don't care what I have to be called. And they call me a holy roller or call me a fanatic. He said, but I want that real Holy Ghost like it's on me now. He said, I want to keep it. I'd rather have it than all the things of the world. Right while he's speaking to these people and handing out their portion, he's saying, this is where I'd like to live forever. Hallelujah. He says, if you don't believe now, you ain't going to never believe. What a frightening statement. He's telling those people, if you don't believe now, Mr. Miller, Mr. Schubert, this woman with diabetes, so on. And we might say, oh, well, that was just the first or second pull. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a pull that God gave. It's a pull, it's something that God sent so that the steward could give to the people their portion. And you know, while we have that, that wasn't our portion by itself. That wasn't our portion because within the elect, they're craving for the word to be open. I could be healed every day of my life, but I needed the third pull. I needed one more pull. I had another portion coming. And God knew exactly what our portion, satisfying portion would be. And I'm so rejoicing this morning that God ordained that portion for the children. And here we are today, being the honored of God, being privileged by our Father to send a messenger, a steward, sent from God. To give the children that had not even come of age yet. To give them their portion. 
And then when they got their portion, then we became responsible. Is that so? He said, Jesus did it at one time. And they said, we know that when Messiah cometh, he will tell us this. She said, I know the Messiah will do that. But who are you? He said, I'm he. See, hers was a different portion. I'm he. Then she ran to the city and come see a man that told me what, what I was and what I've done. Isn't this the Messiah? And he said, these things will form again in the last days. The church will be preaching the truth. It'll be standing on the word. It'll be doing all the commandments of God. It'll not associate with the world. And through there, I'll move and do the same things. That's our portion. He said, you people, wherever you are in the church, that he called out just now, says, the vision's gone from me. He said, if, if that was the truth, what I said, and me not knowing, that, not knowing you, raise up your hands every, ever who it was, all over the church, everywhere, all right. Don't know them, never seen them, but the Holy Spirit's here, and he knows them. And he says, can't you see? It's not me. And then he goes right on. He said, listen, if he'll entrust me with that, just listen now. If he'll entrust me with that, which was how many don't know me, raise your hand, and then begins to give them their portion. Then he says, now listen. Surely you'll know that's not me. The Holy Spirit did that. That's not me. And then this mighty statement, listen. If he'll entrust me or give, make me, give me a stewardship over that, he said, he'll Trust me with the truth of his word. Yeah. Hallelujah. If he'll entrust me with that, which was an infallible divine proof, calling the people, telling them their individual portion, giving it to this brother. There was no confusion. No one said, no, that's not me, that's him. That's not me, that's her. No, no, every child received their portion according to the measure of their faith. And he says, now listen, surely you know that's not me. That's the Holy Ghost. And if he'll entrust me with that, he will trust me with his word. Hallelujah. Oh, my brother, my sister, he was having respect and reverence to his office. He had to have respect to it. He had to have confidence in it. He had to know that God... And you have to know, I am the member of the bride of Jesus Christ. And he has entrusted me with the opening of his word. He's entrusted me with it. Because he knows I'll do the right thing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He'll entrust me with that. He'll trust me with the truth. Hallelujah. In the scripture of our text, he said, As every man has received the gift, 
so minister the same. As you have received your portion, so minister the same. I can tell you that the opening of this word, the message coming to you, didn't bring confusion, so don't minister confusion. What you received, that's what you minister. If you receive grace, manifold grace, and manifold is many, variegated, many. The grace that God had to give you is the grace is not the grace He gave somebody else. He gave you your portion, me my portion, every person their portion, as it is needed, grace given to us. And as we receive that, then we minister the same as we have received it. Hallelujah. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace. Manifold, I would like to give you the exact meaning of it, or at least one of the meanings. It's manifold is of many kinds, but I'll add the word grace because the apostle is speaking of grace, the manifold grace of God. So grace of many different kinds. Grace manifested in many ways. See, now, if you just take and go back to the first and second pull, just some of, some of what I was just quoting here, and there's hundreds of them. When I read and I hear a, a person called out, do you know that sometimes... I believe that God allowed Brother Branham to call a person by name because it took that in order for their faith to lay hold of it and catch it. One place he says, oh, he said, she's, she's trying so hard. He says, she's missing it. And then he calls her by name to catch it, to help that child get their portion. Grace of many different kinds. Grace manifested in many ways. Grace, the essential ingredient in every believer's life. Manifold is also to multiply something. Grace that will multiply. Now, the attributes... The attributes of God can never be diminished. They cannot diminish. They can only increase. That's why the Bible, you won't find the word subtract. But you will find the word add. Add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue temperance. Add these things. But they won't diminish. So now, grace was here in Eden. Grace was here, grace and mercy were present in Eden after the fall. Grace and mercy was then present. Now, as time went on, uh, the need perhaps increased. And I want to go very, very slowly and carefully now 
because this is where I want to pick up in the next service, the Lord willing. So now we, I just want to re-establish re the attributes of God are constant. They don't diminish. They're always present. In other words, healing, where is healing right now? Well, it's as close as your breath. All the attributes of God are as close. Faith, where is faith? It's now you even in your mouth. Where is mercy? Do you have need of it? It's as close as the words that you could speak. Where is grace? Where are all of these attributes? Where is love? Where is peace? There may be somebody here that's really had a distressful week. I can tell you that peace is closer to you than you can even dream. It's as close as your next breath. Now here's where I start reaching out even beyond my ability. There are things that I want to see desperately. I want to see things happen. I want to see certain things. And we wonder, why isn't it happening? Why are we not seeing what we so desire? And yet, this says, and I have to stand by this. I can't stand by what I see or what I think or what I reason. I have to stand by this. It says, all things are possible to them that believe. That's all. Didn't say I have to jump up and down. Doesn't say I have to fast 40 days. Doesn't say I have to, you know, climb and stand on my head or have any motion. Doesn't say I have to scream. Just says all things are possible to them that believe. And so I, I simply realize that, you know, I also have been given a stewardship of faith. And I desire that my faith will rise to new heights. And I, I'm not going to put it as some pie in the sky and oh, some, some great thing is going to happen in the future and I'll finally come into some euphoric state and, and then all kinds of supernatural things. No, no. If, if that faith is right here. And if I can just grasp that and believe that enough, there's all things are possible. All things are possible. And here, as the prophet is giving out the portion to the individuals, and, and here it is, and here's your name, and this is where you come from, and may, when you go home, may you find it as you have believed. God spoke through Malachi and says, I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And the scripture which we know so well, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That phrase is found once in the Bible. Brother Branham used that phrase, variations of it, over 630 times. That says something to me. That says to me that he who is owns the house, who sends this servant with a certain gift and a certain structure in his being so that he could stand between the, 
the, the, the living and the dead, as it were. That he could stand between time and eternity. So he could stand in two worlds at the same time. Many times he said, I'm in two worlds at this moment. He, he even constructed, had him born, had him made a certain way so he could stand there. And I believe that now he was sent. You believe that? And he's sent with a certain message. I believe he was sent to say over 600 times, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that the people of this age could grasp that that is part of their portion. We need one that's the same. I am the Lord, I change not. I am the same today, regardless of your situation or the circumstances which are around you. I am the same. And I sent Elijah to tell you again and again and again, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the Lord, I change not. He said, I thank you, Father, that you remain the same God that you are, you ever was. You're still the same. We change. The ages change. The times change. And people. But you never change. Your systems are the same. Hallelujah. You find out what he honored 2,000 years ago. He'll honor it today. You find the respect that people gave and the honor that they gave and the worship that they gave. It'll be the same today. The prophet said that the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. You invite him. He'll come every time he's invited. Try inviting him. Your works are the same because they are marvelous. And are way past any knowledge of man to ever understand. So the attributes of God cannot diminish. His grace, his love, his mercy, all of these cannot diminish. Now, God brought Moses into his presence to empower him and to entrust him with his power. To give him a special portion for that time. Amen. God gave Moses, as I said in a previous message, sometime he gave him very few words to speak. He just said, let my people go. That's all he said to Pharaoh. And those few words from one that was sent released, released the power of deliverance. And release the power of judgment, both. And Pharaoh, although he didn't want to comply, he soon found out that, that the God of Moses was indeed God. And kept running back to Moses when the plagues came. Said, no, go to your God and speak to him and ask him to do this. And God, God then he held back some of the plagues. But if he found out, and the Bible says that God... He even raised up Pharaoh to show his power. Is that what it says? For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, For even this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout the earth. Elijah was on Mount Carmel, and the people soon found out 
who his God was. And the prophet speaks in this day and says there's another, Mount Carmel Zion, Mount Carmel Showdown, Mount Zion Showdown. Hallelujah, in this time. Now, the opening of the seals. The original word spoken released the power of that word. In other words, the season had arrived. And then the message, the word became flesh. There was a reporting on the India trip. I tell you what, that is more than a report. That's a powerful, powerful message. He says, and every word in the Bible is God's thoughts laid in seed form that if received in the human being and spoke by the same thought that materialized the Bible, it brings the thing to pass. I said I would be reaching out in things that I, uh, I seek to apprehend that. That's a, that's, a simple, that's a simple statement, but it's a powerful statement. It reaches out beyond my imagination, beyond my comprehension. But he said it will materialize. And I say, speak it, prophet. Hallelujah, I believe it. That if it's received into the human being, that's number one. Oh, God. Help us in this congregation this morning to receive it into the human being. Not just as a sermon here on a Sunday morning, but it's a message that I believe. And I believe that what's being spoken today, that you have sent a messenger directly to me to give me as a child my portion. I believe I'm a son. I believe I'm a daughter. God sent this messenger to deliver your portion to you. Help me to receive that. And if it's received in the human being and spoke by the same thought that materialized the Bible, it brings the thing to pass. Said, how powerful could the church be? Oh, God, how powerful can the church be? At least say within yourself, help me, Lord. Help me to receive it. Help me to speak it. Help me to speak and utter the very thought of God. You know what, friends? It won't be long after we leave here we'll be uttering things that didn't come from God's mind. We'll be saying all kinds of things. They're just chitter-chatter and things of this life and things that don't amount to anything. God, help us to receive the thought that God has and to speak it and to stay on target. Help me. God put me through such a trial the last couple of days. You don't want to even hear about it. This quit working. And that quit working. And the bathroom quit working. Call a plumber. Well, we can't get him right there. And I, I, I kind of, you know, don't pride myself, but I figure I can fix things. And everything that I try to fix, I've never run into this before. You know, I, I, I've never run into some of these things before. I don't hardly feel like wasting your time. But I just... I, I, you know that for the last year and a half, my wife and I have been using the same sink because the simplest thing in the world but couldn't get fixed on her sink, just couldn't get it fixed. 
I've laid under there. I've taken everything apart. I've searched all over the whole country. I've gone to all kinds of plumbing stores and everything only to find out if that's old and that's, oh, that's, I said, but it's good. No, no, that's, we quit making that years ago. It's just a little pipe. I only need a little pipe. I only need a little piece of pipe that long. But it had a certain thread and had to go in a certain place and all of these complicated things. And so we just quit using it. And I said, I'm going to, I said, I know Brother Anthony Burke and he's a, he's a machinist and he might be able to, say, no, she said, don't touch it, don't touch it. And I always do what my wife tells me. So I didn't touch it. And I didn't touch it for months. And finally I said, I, I'm going to tear that thing apart. No, she said, don't, don't, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I said, no, I can't buy taps for the whole bathroom and everything. It cost me who knows what. And finally, just the other Monday morning, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that thing apart. And I'm going to go to Brother Birkin. I called him up. He's right at home. God bless Brother Anthony. I went down there to his shop, freezing cold. We were standing there in fellowship a little bit. And I said, here's this piece of pipe. This is out of a lamp, but it won't work. It turned the water black. My wife won't watch washing that water. It's just black and dirty and ucky. I said, of course, she won't use that. So I said, I, this, this pipe, the other one split. I said, I need a stainless steel pipe or something. Well, he says, maybe I got a piece here. And I just got home, just got into the office, and he called and said, it's all fixed. <laughs> oh, thank God for somebody who's got the right calling. Aye, and the right equipment and the right skills. And he had the thing all fixed and says, I'll bring it down. And so he brought it down here, and I just put it together. And it just, oh, I'm so happy. You just can't imagine. Just somebody got a, I got the tap fixed. It's, my wife didn't think I could fix it, but I got the tap fixed. And she comes, she says, the toilet's quit. <laughs> it's not possible. Not possible. And I go and look at this. It hadn't even used it. It was just full of water right up to the top. And this thing's plunged that thing. She says, the bathroom way at the powder room at the other end of the house, 90 feet away, it's bubbling. When you plunge this, it's bubbling. I said, oh, I can't figure that out. Call the plumber. So we just get the plumber. He's going to come. Lance, my name's not Lance. <laughs> she says, my computer quit. I said, just leave it. I'll fix it. It's got to be just a, you know, I'll fix it. It's just, a, it, it's just a power bar. I take it all apart and find out and put, punch it in the wall. It still won't work. She said, no, I called one of the brothers at the church. He's probably up there in the sound room and says, how long have you had it? Oh, maybe four years old. It's just a boat anchor, you know, have to get a new one. Can't be. It's just like brand new. But it quit. And then something else quits. You know, and I start to lose my peace. I start to lose my peace. I start to lose my patience. I start to lose my victory. You've never been there, have you? You've been there, thank you. I wanted to make sure I was around friends. Just the simple little things of life, and it just begin to drain me. 
and I got to the com- I got to my notes, and I had done uh, t- two lines, just something I thought I wanted to incorporate for this morning. And my wife came and says, "There's something on the phone." I said, "Okay." And I walked out and had to do something. I can't even remember what it is. That's how spent I am mentally on this thing. And I said, now don't call me unless the house is burning down. <laughs> I've got, I, I do have to get a couple of these thoughts down. I've got pages here. But it was so heavy on my heart. And then I realized that the very thing, so that's why I, I thought, you know what? I haven't apprehended this that for which I've been apprehended. I haven't attained it yet. So I'm going to tell the people just when I start, I haven't got there yet. I haven't arrived at that perfection yet. Haven't maybe arrived at that level. But I'm still going to declare it. It's still our portion. Hallelujah. And when you get, and you surely will arrive at those times, and it might be tomorrow. I want you to remember this service. I haven't apprehended that for which I have been apprehended, but I will move forward. I will say it. And it will materialize in my life. That's what I want it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to praise God in the midst of it doesn't work or it breaks down or whatever happens. I'm going to say that God is God. God sent this word to me. God sent Elijah with this word. He proved it to tell me that if I would speak the same thing, that this word would materialize. He came to tell me 630 times, Ah, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You need that, Hebrews 13.8. You need it today. You need it in this meeting. You'll need it tomorrow. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to be careful. I'm going to, I'm going to close in ten minutes. I'm just going to close. But grace was here in Eden. And the prophet said this. There in the garden that morning. Now this is going on a whole direction. I want you to hold this because... This is where, Lord willing, I will cut into this. There in the garden that morning, when sin was so black, Jehovah came in. There stood his couple standing condemned. There would be no more human race. They had to die. Death on the human race. Give the world back to wild beasts, and there'd be no human race. But in that darkest of hours, in that time when all hopes were gone, grace came pouring through. And I thought, oh God, the fountain of grace. I'd like to preach on the fountain of grace. You know, in this hour, that's what you needed. That's what I needed. I'm glad I found the fountain of grace. Grace came pouring through. He said, and... I'll give you a Savior, a Messiah. Oh, it's a wonder how God could ever do it. God's amazing grace in the Garden of Eden. You know, it might be that at such a distant time, 
we may not feel the same sense and the same need. I thought about Adam and Eve in a new light. I thought if they could walk through this generation, if they could walk through Seattle and Vancouver East Side, and if they could visit the war memorials. You know, Brother Roy Border's father is buried right over here in Victory, in Victory uh, Cemetery. I went there with him so he could stand at the grave of his father who fought in the war. And he asked me just to pray a prayer and thank God for his life, which I did. But if Adam and Eve could come strolling through, and look at the horror, and look at the pain, and look at the suffering. If they could visit the red light district and see the prostitutes, see the drunks, and see the east side of Vancouver, and see them shooting up the drugs, and needles laying all over. They would say, I'm responsible for this. I caused this. I don't think the human heart could carry that weight. They would have to say, thank God for grace. Thank God for grace that could remove this terrible stain. Thank God for grace. As time went on, I'm going to be just brief now. I just want to sow the thought so you can be meditating. As time went on, the Bible says, And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then as time went on, God raised up a man that he had never raised up one like him before. He raised up Moses, a prophet, the first prophet, a great prophet, one that could stand between God and that God could speak directly to. And then he would take and, and give the people and he made them steward over the, this inheritance of the Lord, this people of Israel. And he spoke through Moses. And then he took Moses up and showed him in the mount a certain structure. And when he came back down, he says, you build it as I showed you in the mount. And they begin to build a structure. And God tells them ahead of time, this will be so I can be with the people. I can dwell with them. And, and they build this structure, an outer court, an inner court. I'm not going to go into it, but then a holy of holies. And in the holy of holies is an ark, a place for an ark. This is such a paradox because in the ark was the law. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With all, thou, shalt, thou shalt and thou shalt not. And those ten commandments condemned everybody. And yet the very place that was on top of it was called the mercy seat. 
This was the ultimate of the grace of God that could come to the people with the very thing that condemned them. Condemned not one or two, condemned them all. Are you with me? Listen close. You want to hear this? And as time went on, from Eden to that time, men did what they was right in their own eyes, but now they come, and here comes a prophet, a man with the very word of God, and he comes with the word down from the mountain and condemns them all. The prophet in this generation says some powerful things, things that we must listen to and abide by. He said the law was the policeman and could only put them in jail. Could not get them out of jail. Could only put them back in to jail. And so God first gives them a law and puts them all into jail. And then he provides them with a system and a high priest and blood. Not that can remove, but that can just cover their sin. Cover their wrong. They're not completely free. They still, in their conscience, were condemned. They went in condemned and went out condemned. But they knew that they had done what their God, Jehovah, had told them to do. Now we're moving forward. But there was grace for the people under that. But it had intensified. Understand? From Eden it had intensified. Now he condemned them all. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. He condemned them all. Now here comes something and you'll... And with this I'm going to close. Now comes the word. Are you listening? Now comes the word. Pray that God give you understanding now. Here comes the word in flesh. Here comes the very one that met Moses on the mountain. Here comes the very one that gave the law. Now here he is standing in flesh. And the scripture says he's full of... Say it again. And truth. And so they bring to him... Righteous men who live by the law, they bring to him a woman caught in the very act of adultery. And they say to him, Moses says in the law that she should be stoned because they sense that he was saying sometimes something different. That she should be stoned. What sayest thou? It wasn't that she shouldn't be stoned. That wasn't the point. The point was they were justifying themselves by the policeman. And the policeman can't get you out. The policeman can't justify you. The policeman can only condemn you. The policeman can only put you back into prison. And so that's, thus Jesus went down and wrote with his finger in the sand, in the dirt. He first said, he that's without sin cast the first stone. And so they all became condemned and all left and just a woman and him. 
He said, where are thine accusers? He said, there are none, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Because they were using the policemen to justify themselves. And the policemen can't get you out of prison. Now listen very close. This same one, full of grace and truth, said this. Moses has said, or the law has said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, He that looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery. Not poetic license, not kind of like it. Hath committed adultery with her in his heart. That was in his first coming. And he laid the responsibility on the man. He that looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. You know what Jesus did? He condemned every man. He threw every man in jail. Why? Because grace was there in the form of the word. Then comes the revealing of the Son of Man in this time. And he comes now to the woman. Because we're now in a woman's age. He says this is a woman's world. He wasn't condemning the sisters. He was just saying it plain. Hollywood has produced it. It's a woman's world. She's a goddess of America, he said. Are you still believers? And he says, if you dress in such a way so as to cause a man to lust after you, he said, you may be as pure as a lily before your husband, but you will stand as an adulteress before God. Now he's, he's preaching a message to the entire age. He's not preaching to sisters that have come because those that have come, now this is where I'm laying so much emphasis, those that have come to the birth by the word of God have come to the fountain of grace. Grace which is absolved annihilated and removed the sin. The only grace that can do it. That's why a church can't do it. A denomination can't do it. No one else can do it. And so when, when the, the sin intensified, when it became gross darkness as it has today, that took a greater measure of grace. And Jesus was there. Listen, you can't escape it. Jesus was there with a greater measure of grace. Grace which the law could not provide. He provided it to the woman. Otherwise, you'd have to say, why did he not support the law and have her stoned? The men were there to stone. And let me say something else just as I close. Brother Branham said, you couldn't lay a finger on those men's lives. Those Pharisees, there they were with stones in their hand, and you couldn't lay a finger on their lives. Why? Because they had lived by it. They were free from it. They had lived according to the law. You couldn't lay a finger on their lives. But the truth of the matter was that they were using the principle of the law or the word that they understood to justify themselves And God was saying plainly, that's a policeman. 
He can't, he can't deliver you. He can only put you back in. So they just put him back in. And in Jesus' time, he put, he put all the men in. As far as my part is concerned, there isn't a man alive. And I'm not saying this for any other reason. God has been very gracious to me. Brother Branham said, you might say, well then what, what, is the, what, what, what advantage does one have over another? Well, in this life, things may be better for you in this life. Uh, there's, there's, I've had ministers call me regarding marriage and divorce, and I go through this sequence with them. And I'll tell you, it's very, very revealing. Because people want to take the message and use it as a law to justify themselves or to justify others. And that, then you've got the principle wrong. It didn't come to make one justified and the other one condemned. It came to condemn everybody. Because the Jesus Christ in his first coming condemned every man. And the prophet in this day condemned every woman. And so you shouldn't be quiet if you've come to the fountain of grace. And that's the only thing that frees you. The angel said to Brother Branham, Don't ever drink or smoke or defile your body in any way. For when you get older, I have a work for you to do. Listen, friends. You know, God could take my breath from me today. But I sat with the woman that tried to get him to smoke. I sat with his girlfriend in Florida. And she said, I tried to get him to smoke. And he wouldn't smoke. I said, do you know who he was? Do you know that he was a prophet of God? No, she said, I, I don't believe I do. And I prayed with her for salvation. And she sat in the service that evening. But he wouldn't smoke. But there's all kinds of ministers in the message. I smoked. That may be a surprise to you. I smoked. It's an ugly demon. I despise it. But that didn't, that didn't prevent me from being a minister of the gospel. But now God had a special servant, a special minister, a special ministry and a special gift. And, and, and now just hear me good as I close. And he said, never smoke or drink or defile your body in any way for when you're older I have a work for you to do. When William Branham rises, and you all rise, and we're in the resurrection, or we've crossed over, and I hope you don't misunderstand me, he won't be one bit purer than any other person. But for his work here on earth, for his calling, for his office, it required certain things. For the office of a deacon, that's why it requires certain things. For the office of a minister, it requires certain things. And God requires that, but it doesn't make one person more pure than another. There's people that have had, uh, had wretched backgrounds. And, and when they come to the fountain of grace, they are as pure as any man or woman. They're as pure as any prophet. You just believe that? Amen. I do too. Hallelujah. That to me is amazing grace. I thought of the song that the Yonces sing. Do you know grace? <laughs> I'm glad I found out something about grace. 
I'm looking down in the face of this congregation, and I know there's people that have just had lovely lives and been brought up in good Christian homes, and, and that's wonderful. And there's others, before they even heard, before they even were called, they've had dismal lives and, and very, very sad backgrounds. And Satan would love to work on that channel of memory and keep that before you and keep your failures before you. I tell you, deny him. And I want you to be able to say and go out of this congregation this morning, go out of this service this morning and say, I found grace. I found the fountain. I'm as pure and spotless. I'm as pure as the driven snow. I don't care what your background is. You have come to the fountain of grace. I found him. I found him. Hallelujah. Tell that ugly demon. Tell that ugly spirit. You found grace. You found the fountain of grace. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. I wonder if you can stand with me. I want to, I want to sing that uh, 476, Grace, Grace, God's Grace. And this is where I want to, I want to actually start here because, and I went slow with the purpose. Because this gets to a place and you know what? You know why it was difficult? And this is the difficult part. Because on one side, on one hand, everyone comes condemned. I didn't even read the prophet's quotes. We were born condemned. He said, your mother and dad, your grandparents were condemned. Your great-grandparents, your great-great-great-grandparents were condemned. We came here condemned. And no church... No organization, no order of belief could set you free from that condemnation. Only the fountain of grace. And that grace is none other than the word of God made manifest. That's why the message to me is so striking and so important. It is critical to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right.
I was reading in the message of grace and I really was spoken to by the contents and brother Branham begins to speak of his own life and he said he thought of the grace of God he was speaking of David how he could do that save to the uttermost and then would take a poor wretch like myself and give me the opportunity to preach the gospel and to see others saved and to see them healed to see homes that's been broke up straightened up again to see lives that have been ruined and made right again to give and to give me grace I thought oh amazing grace if you read listen to me church if you read I I realize that you know this comes home But if you read, here's a man, never drank, never smoked, never defiled his body in any way. And he gets to a place where he absolutely marvels of the grace of God. He said, well, pick up someone as wretched as he was. And he thought of Calvary. He thought of uh, the grace of God that had been extended to him. And when I see that, I'm so thankful that he even expresses himself personally that way because it means so much more to me. God, if, if you could do that for him and cause him to see it that way, surely you have a, surely you have a depth of grace. That's, that's what I started out to say at the very beginning. Just forgive me, but at, at the very beginning, I say I'm going to speak about stewardship, which is far beyond my understanding. I can't grasp that kind of stewardship and here he is saying you know that such grace that allowed me to preach it such grace that allowed and I want to say in this congregation today God's allowed me to see homes healed 
God's allowed me to see bodies healed. God's allowed me to preach his gospel and to see souls delivered. And then I think of my own wretchedness and that part that the prophet was rejoicing in. He saw the grace extended to him in such a fashion that God would would not only save him, but allow him to convey it to someone else. Oh, that goes just beyond me. That's grace, abundant grace, amazing grace. It's one thing that he saved you, but it's another thing that he entrusted you. Hallelujah! So that you could convey it to someone else. That's the miracle. That they come by and one day on the other side you say, I saw Christ in you. You did? I saw Christ in you. That is amazing grace. Not just that we're forgiven, not just that we're birthed again, but that God committed it to us. God bless you. We'll sing the next verse. Dark is the stain. Dark is the stain.
gracious, gracious Lord Jesus. We say, what grace is this? That you would come by our way personally. At some station, at some place, at some corner in the road of our pathway. And you came, Lord, and touched us in a special way. I never forget, Lord, when you touched me so deeply. I think of the grace of God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Your love cannot be measured. It is boundless. And, Father, for the people that are within the sound of my voice today, that they may know outside of grace we're lost. Outside of grace we're condemned. Thank you for the unmerited favor, O God. Thank you for the washing of the water by the word. Thank you, O God, for the instruction that it gives. Thank you for the deliverance, Lord, for you sent your word and you healed them. You sent your word and you delivered them. And you're still today sending your word. And your messenger has said, now we are the word made flesh to the people, O God. We are the ones that are creating the influence. We are the ones to be creating an environment. Help us, Lord, not to be caught up in the atmosphere of this world. It is all fading away. It is disappearing so quickly off the scene. And we have, Lord, something that's eternal, something that goes beyond this short life. I pray that you will cause these people to recall, to remember, and call to remembrance, O God. How you spoke to them and what you have said to them. And that they may, each one, renew their own dedication. Tonight, Lord, for the service and our brother Danny Stevens, I pray that you will put words in his mouth, O God. Thank you for what you've been doing amongst our young people, Father. I thank you for one person. Receive my thanksgiving, Lord. In the audience, some are here and their children are out there. How we thank you, O God. They're not out in some some dark place, but they're there where they can sing the songs of Zion, where they can kneel and with contrite hearts. I want to thank you, Lord. I'm not unthankful. I'm thankful today for that, O God. And I pray you'll continue it. Let the fire of God burn, Lord. Even this evening, Lord, let another flame be lit, I pray. And anyone that is here and stands in need, I ask that your word will go and minister to them right where they are. Lord, that you'll give them just precisely their portion. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for our allotted portion that you've given us. Dismiss us now with your, your blessings, I pray. And send us from here, O oh God with rejoicing and thanksgiving in our heart. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And everyone said amen. God bless you. Amen. You're dismissed. We'll see you this evening. Come early. The first five rows are saved for all the counselors and all the people that are up at the camp because they're going to get here a little bit late. Sorry about that. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.